Everything's been destroyed. The house is gutted. They're living there, and the next day I see her up at the church helping to feed people, and she's there to clean the church buildings because they're trying to have service on Sunday morning. That just really stood out to me as, you know, this is what it is like to follow Jesus and have your focus in the right places where the things of this earth are just temporary and finite. But when you truly are are sold out for Jesus and you've truly fallen in love with Jesus, the things of his kingdom are what really matters. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. August 30th, Hurricane Ida made landfall just before 1 p.m. Sunday near Port Fouchon in southeast Louisiana with sustained winds of 150 miles per hour before weakening to a tropical depression by Monday afternoon. Today we welcome from the great state of Louisiana, but who has made his home right here in the Memphis area for over 11 years now, Pastor Jake Clonch of the Eagle Heights Community Church. Jake, it's always good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. Good to be here. Brother, when I saw the reports of Ida thinking about potential impact before it made landfall, while it was still stirring out there in the Gulf, uh, my heart went out because, you know, I used to live on an island and we experienced typhoons mm-hmm. and they can be very powerful also. And we went through several right. while we were on the island. I know you, a homeboy from Louisiana, you've seen your share of hurricanes and sure. strong storms. But wanted to have you come in and, and talk about some of the relief efforts that Eagle Heights Community Church and your team of volunteers and a great support has been doing to bring some relief and showing the love of Christ. Yes, we um, we definitely love just helping and and running to people's pain. That we you know we do that not only in Louisiana but anywhere that we see a need uh, that we can meet as a congregation. We we love to do that. That's what Christ has called us to do. Like you said, I'm I'm a Louisianian. It's my home state. It's where I was born and raised. And so uh, the the need there in Louisiana because of the hurricane was certainly deeply touching to me. You know, what's interesting and maybe ironic, Ida struck Louisiana on Sunday, 30th, as I mentioned, the 16th anniversary mm-hmm. of Hurricane Katrina as a Category 4 hurricane. Now, you were in Louisiana during Katrina. Correct. I was. We um, we were there. I was still living there at the time. We're from a, a town called Hammond, Ponchatoula area, and uh, we decided to stay. And I told my wife after Katrina came through that would be the last hurricane that I ever stayed at home through. Uh, and, and, of course, we didn't get it near as bad as New Orleans and a lot of the smaller towns south of us, but uh, it was bad enough to where it was it was pretty scary. Yeah. I mean, anytime you go through a storm like that, the biggest storm I remember on the island was a typhoon called Paca, mm-hmm. and it had uh, sustained winds 198 miles an hour, mm. and the wind gusts were over 227, and the wind gauge broke at the Air Force Base at 227, so I don't know really how high they were. Wow. Of course, we were inside a concrete house, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the walls were literally shaking around us, and water coming through the cracks. Until you experience something that powerful, and it took nine hours for the storm to pass the island, and it was like 22 inches of rain in nine hours. Wow. You know. <laughs> You go, where does all that water go, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, it really is. The powerful storms like that. Yeah, they, they could just do a lot of devastation, you know, and Ida in particular. 
really was a, a historical storm. Uh, in fact, it was a hurricane the entire time it was in the state of Louisiana. Did it make two landfalls? That's what I heard a report saying it made two landfalls. Well, you could call it that, but really the initial landfall that it made, um, they would call a landfall, but if you know the geography uh, of Louisiana, if you if you know the, the area well down there, like when, when you say Fushan or Grand Isle or even some of the areas north of that where it hit, they're low-lying marsh areas. And so basically it's just canes and water. Yeah. And so even though they call it landfall for um, you know many, many miles, the, the hurricane was still over water. It was just marshy area, wow. you know, no trees, just – you know, very shallow, uh, low-lying grasslands, and and of course those areas are very warm. Yeah. You know, because it's shallow yeah. water and yeah. it's hot in Louis South. Do people Louisiana. live in those areas? Yes, they do. Lots of lots of camps. You know, up off of the ground. Uh, so a lot of them, you know, don't flood, but of course the wind damage just destroys them. Uh, and uh, people have been living in those areas for. For generations, you know, there's a lot of um, a lot of deep, deep family roots in South Louisiana. A lot of people say, "Well, those people should move," but it's just not that easy. You know, it's not yeah. that easy to leave your home. It's been uh, your home for generations. Yes, the Cajuns. You know, when they were kicked out of Canada, they they went down the eastern seaboard and came up the Mississippi River and into those marshland swampy areas and they've settled so they've been there for hundreds of years you know and so uh, it's not easy to leave your home new orleans mayor latoya cantrell said that while ida left major damage on the city the worst case scenario did not happen which we're thankful for we did not have another katrina she said officials have confirmed that the levees around the state were not damaged by the storm really saving the state from even more severe flooding and we're so grateful for that all of the extra work that went into mm-hmm. the aftermath of Katrina seems to paid off here it it really did it it paid off especially for new orleans uh, new orleans definitely did not get the damage that it could have got um you know like it did in katrina uh, with with ida uh the the only problem with that is that there are some areas and you have to kind of be from louisiana to know this but there are some areas especially just north uh, to the northwest of new orleans where they've not completed the levees or they've not given enough attention to more rural type areas where there's you know not a massive population in those areas, were absolutely devastated. Yeah. Well, more than 560,000 people were without power across the state Sunday afternoon when the storm hit. Report according to the utility companies, I'm assuming that more and more power is being restored. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Jake, over 11 years ago, you moved here with your wife, Ashley, and your children to the volunteer state from your home state of Louisiana to plant the church, Eagle Heights Community Church. We've had you on. We've talked about that Mm -hmm. journey and just the wonderful things God is doing. And something you said a moment ago I I really like is you said that the church running to the pain of Mm -hmm. people. Yes. Usually when you think of pain, you want to get as far away from it as you can. Mm -hmm. But that's a place where the church connects. That's right. You know, really, if you if you look at Jesus, Jesus was great at doing that. He was great at running to people's pain, and it really set him up to do a lot of uh, wonderful ministry. So much of his ministry was centered around the pain of people. 
so we've always felt like from the very beginning when we planted the church that that was going to be one of the things that God had called us to do was to run to people's pain and then not just go to their pain, but but while we're there ministering to them, uh, you know, physically in, in a tangible way, uh, then we're able to to go to the spiritual pain, you know, that so many people are looking for hope in all of the wrong places. Yes. And so because you run to someone's physical pain, then you have the opportunity then to give them the hope of Christ, Amen. you know, the hope of Jesus, the hope of the world. Yep. And so uh, that's that's really kind of the one of the things that's at the heartbeat of who we are as a church. How did your family and friends back home weather the storm? They survive okay? I would say that uh, you know some of them did okay. No one, no one perished. Of course, thank God. Uh, we we don't know anyone that you know suffered any type of injuries or no one that passed away. But almost all of my close friends um, lost most of what they had as far as um, you know their homes flooded or you know their roofs were ripped off of their homes um one of my probably best friends uh who's also a pastor in one of the hardest hit areas in louisiana a town called laplace and reserve uh his church uh suffered major damage one of their buildings was totally torn apart their their uh, elementary school is gonna have to be bulldozed torn down and rebuilt and um and so uh, that that particular area is just really devastated, you know. Yeah. So you just returned. I think was it Saturday night or this past weekend? Late for late this past Friday. Okay, just yeah. returned, and you were there for about what a week? Yes. Yes. You were on a emergency relief mission to go and share supplies and whatever mm-hmm. you could. You had an idea what was happening there, right. so you knew what kind of supplies to take. What did you take with you? Uh, our church got together. We got some money together, and uh, and we also got supplies. We took uh, you know water at the time. They were needing lots of water. I don't know if they have running water or not. I think probably fifty fifty. Uh, but at the time, there was no running water, so we brought you know uh, a pallet and a half of bottled water, and uh, sanitary items is a definite need. You know things like just a regular everyday soap, toothpaste, toothbrushes, that sort of stuff, um, and then non-perishable food. You know uh, there a lot of them are still without power. Uh, they've been going on you know almost three weeks now hundreds of thousands of people without power and so they don't have any way to cook food so non-perishable food things like you know cans that they don't have to have a can opener to open um, with pull tabs those sort of things are you know just vital and then gas we brought gas now i I, saw you fill out some gas tanks in facebook picture yeah yeah we we brought probably 60 to 70 gallons of gas with us was that safe to travel like that with that gas well i don't know if it was real safe we didn't put it in a trailer we put it in the back of the truck uh but you know the need was great sure, so no, sometimes yeah. you throw safety out the window <laughs> so uh, i think the gas situation is getting better yeah in fact it was by the time we left but um initially they there was no place to get gas you know they were having to drive up to 150 miles to get gas oh, one of my, my friends said he was driving uh had to get to jackson mississippi when after, right after the storm first hit just to get gasoline that's crazy yeah you don't even think about that yeah so jake what are the greatest needs right now a little over two weeks after the storm i would say probably the greatest need is just help 
you know, we were in one subdivision uh, gutting houses, one subdivision in the Laplace area with probably 5,000 homes. It'd be like a a big subdivision here in the Memphis area, you know, three to 5,000 homes. Every single house, I mean every single house, had water four to five feet up the walls. Every single house, the entire house needed to be gutted. All the sheetrock, insulation, baseboard, trim, floors, everything has to come out. All the food in the refrigerator, freezers is ruined. Power's been out for three weeks. So they need lots of help. you know. And obviously, of course, now because of COVID, labor is short. It's, so this is a time where the church can really be the church and, and the communities can come together. And they need – their community is devastated. So they, it's hard for them to help one another. They're just in survival mode. So even the, the local church in Laplace Reserve there, it's hard for them to mobilize to serve the community because I'm, I'm sure the church buildings themselves have been damaged. Yes, it is hard. It's a hard thing for them to do, but they're doing it. The the my my friend who's the pastor of that church, it's a church called Lifehouse Church right there in Laplace, Louisiana, and they are doing an incredible job of of meeting the needs of the community. People from their church whose homes are destroyed have have set aside their own homes to go and help the community and the and the other church members uh you know that have just lost almost everything other than their lives uh, because of this storm. And, uh, you know, they're feeding people still right now. I understand at least 2,500 people were fed, many homes cleaned out by crews, Mm -hmm. many trees removed from the roofs, and it all took place in just one day. That's right. That's that right. Was one day. Yeah, I think in one day, I know minimum we fed 2,500 people. Gave out pallets upon pallets of ice, water, sanitary items. Uh, we're, we were putting gas in people's cars, um, you know, uh, gutting houses, removing trees. It's just, you know, the, the church is alive and well, and, and we're there from all over the country helping. Are you seeing other relief organizations, national relief organizations in the area helping out? The, the only relief organization that, that I saw outside of just the local church coming in from all over the country was uh this billy graham's organization they were there on the ground boots on the ground but really they're a part of the church yes uh i saw no government organizations while i was there now they may be there now but that was one of the things that so impressed me was that the church was the first on the scene yes and so the church is alive and well and and running to the pain of people and that was such such an encouragement to see. Jake, that is so beautiful to share that. My goodness. That's who we are to be, you know, right. the, the church ministering in Christ's name. Yes. Jake, you said that the last time you've seen this much devastation was in Liberia, Africa, back in your early 20s. What in the world were you doing in Liberia? <laughs> <laughs> well, I went there um, on a missions trip. I actually I actually took several um, older high school teenagers along with, uh, you know, some, some adults. We went on a missions trip to Liberia, Africa. Uh, I think that was somewhere around 2005, 2006. It was right after the Civil War. You know, they had a long 19, 20-year Civil War there and um, absolutely devastated the country. Our our headquarters was there in Monrovia, the capital, and um, it was a war zone. 
And so the devastation was just unlike anything you've ever seen. You know, people had been living in the jungles basically for decades and uh, came back to their to their homes totally destroyed. And, uh, you know, trash piled up in the streets, uh, 10, 12, 14 foot high, no garbage service, no running water, no no restrooms. You just couldn't imagine how horrible it was, but but you know, incredible opportunity to share the gospel yes. and just saw hundreds, if not thousands, of people come to the Lord in the midst of, of such terrible circumstances. I mean, you compared that devastation to what you saw in your home state. Yeah, it, it was really uh, eye-opening for me. You know, I grew up there, so obviously I, I went through several hurricanes and tropical storms growing up. Uh, but you know, in all my years of, of being there, I've never seen devastation like that in the United States, uh, or from a hurricane. I mean, it, it really, it really was close to being what I saw in Africa. Not quite, but it was, I've never seen any devastation that could compare, uh, to Liberia other than what I just recently saw in South Louisiana. How do the folks, Jake, at Eagle Heights get behind your relief efforts? I mean, I know they support their pastor, yeah. but tell me some specific ways they got behind you. Well, you know, the main thing that we needed, uh, of course, you know, we were going pretty soon after it happened. So, you know, I was in contact with my friend. He kind of told me what they needed. And he said, look, what we need more than anything right now is just money to be able to help people, you know. So I went to my church and, I, and you know, he gave me a list of supplies, which I mentioned I went to my church, you know, within that first Sunday after the hurricane hit and just told them the need. And uh, we, in one Sunday, raised uh, a little over $10,000 and then another 1500 or so for supplies. We filled up the back of a trailer. A church member loaned me his, his trailer, and we filled up the back of that trailer in the back of my truck with all those supplies, and we went down with supplies and money. <laughs> and we're willing to go again and, and help and continue to help financially. Uh, I was just told today that even more money has come in. So, you know, that's that's always an encouraging thing. I'm, I'm so was so touched by my congregation amen but you know they do that for every time we go to them with a need uh our church is just so good at running to the pain do you have a, a strategy for making return trips and plans which you would like to see ministry happen right now what we're doing is we're just keeping in touch with our contacts down there to see what they need and when they need it we don't have a particular date set um, because the the funny thing about all the hurricane relief stuff is th- there's a time when like a window when they really need help and then there's a window when they can almost get too much help and and so we want to make sure that we go at the right time to where we're not overwhelming them as they're trying to recover and so I'm thinking maybe within another month or so we may take another team down there as they start actually rebuilding you know um, that's when they're going to need in particularly like a lot of skill labor and and just just grunt labor you yeah. know construction so, type people yes construction people people you know in labor that anyone can do you know so um we're just we're just kind of staying in touch with our contacts and going from there really if folks listening outside of eagle heights community church would like to avail themselves as volunteers and and go with you or support Mm -hmm. they should just maybe contact the church and maybe be on a list or something is that possible Absolutely, they could. Uh, you can you can actually email me directly if you would like. My email address is uh, pastorjake.eh77 
cc at gmail.com and if you'd like to volunteer you know or, or just sign up to volunteer we'll put you on a list also another thing is if you would like to give we know of several churches right there in the heart of the hardest hit areas in louisiana and so we know exactly how to get the money on the ground to the people in need so you can give we have a hurricane relief tab on our online giving of the church website is it's very easy. It's just eagleheightsmemphis.com. You can go on and give to Hurricane Relief, and 100% of that money will go to help people in Louisiana. And see, I love this. I love these local efforts here, Jake, as we're sharing. As I mentioned a moment ago about these national relief organizations, and I'm not here to judge their ability to help in times of need, because I know they do, mm-hmm. but oftentimes when you contribute to these type of organizations, there is a, a portion of that that stays in the administrative cost. Right, right. But here, you've got... Ex- Exactly, dollar for dollar that you right. give is going to help in disaster relief in the pastors that you know and the churches that need yes. to have the greatest need. Yes, absolutely. And we know many pastors and churches that are absolutely just getting it done as far as helping people in their communities. And, and you know, my, my friend, Pastor Stephen Aguilar at Lifehouse Church, I would say 90% of his church members that have lost everything as far as their tangible things. And uh, and yet they're, they're serving their community. And so 100% of the money that we take in for hurricane relief is going straight to the relief. There's no administrative cost. That is so beautiful. Well, Jake, I want to kind of revisit something we were talking about earlier and have you share why it's so important for the Church of Jesus Christ to respond in time of greatest need. What does this demonstrate most for the church? You know, a lot of non-Christians can be compassionate and service-oriented mm-hmm. in times of disaster. What is the difference when the church engages times like this, or what should be the difference when the church engages mm-hmm. times like this? Well, I think the difference is that, you know, we run to pain with a purpose. Uh, we run to pain with, you know, because we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And so we go in the name of the Lord. And so when we serve people, when we are a blessing to people, when we're there for them and they're hour of greatest need, uh, then what we're doing is we're showing them Jesus. And then it gives us an opportunity to be able to talk to them about Jesus, an opportunity that we may never have uh, or that they may never give us. And so it's very important for the church to model after you know our Lord and Savior and, and run to the pain of people and show compassion because it gives us an opportunity that, that we wouldn't have in any other way. Beautifully spoken, Jake. Any standout stories in the middle of the pain, the things you've seen where you've seen somebody arise or something just took place that impressed you or stood out to you mm-hmm. when you went down? So many different stories I could share. You know, of course, the church really stepping up to feed all those people when so many of them didn't have food themselves. You know, they're out there feeding thousands of people a day, and many of them need groceries themselves. And, of course, that was probably the most impressive thing. The church itself is damaged and in need, and yet they're serving people. One in particular instance, uh, we went and gutted out uh, a home. Stop there. When you say gutted out, explain what you're talking about. So basically, uh, this particular home had a, a part of the roof was tore off of it. A tree had went through another part of the roof. And so, you know, they had a lot of rain for a long time. So the home got a lot of rain in it and it's driving rain. So it gets on the floor. It gets on the walls. 
and it, you know, just ruins all, everything that you can think of that would be, say, five feet or down is ruined. And so you have to get all the furniture out of there. And then you have to start taking all the sheetrock, paneling, all of that stuff, any ceiling, you know, on the on the uh, ceilings that were, was damaged because mold starts setting in. And you've got to get that out within minimum two weeks time or it gets, you know, lethal, toxic. Yeah. That's what we were there doing. We were gutting out one of the houses in this neighborhood. I'll find out that it's the lady that actually cleans the church. Her and her brother are there living in this house that, you know, they have no power, no running water. They have, you know, I mean, everything's been destroyed. The house is gutted. They're living there. And the next day I see her up at the church helping to feed people. And she's there to clean the church buildings <laughs> because they're trying to have service on Sunday morning. That just really stood out to me as, you know, this is what it is like to follow Jesus and have your focus in the right places where where the things of this earth are just temporary and finite. But when you truly are, are sold out for Jesus and you've truly fallen in love with Jesus, the things of his kingdom are what really matters. So that was just an incredible thing for me to see. Do you remember that lady's name? Her name was Lisa. Miss Lisa. Yes. Wow. We're going to pay tribute to Miss Lisa today. Yes. And praise God for her life and the life of service and the testimony Absolutely. of Jesus in the middle of storms, in the middle of disaster. Jake, this has been great. Again, we've got to go over the information for listeners to make financial contributions to yes. relief efforts, and mm-hmm. how can they do that? So they could just go to our church's website. It's eagleheightsmemphis.com. Very easy. eagleheightsmemphis.com. You can also mail a check-in if you would like. Just go to the website and get our address. It's very, very easy. Uh, eagleheightsmemphis.com. You go to the online giving tab. There's a tab that says Hurricane Ida Relief. You click on that. It goes straight to Hurricane Relief. If you mail a check-in, just put Hurricane Relief in the notation. And also, if you are interested in volunteering, grunt labor, or if you have construction skills and would like to be on a list of volunteers that could potentially be called on at a time to go serve, give that information again jake too yes just email me directly it's pastor jake that's j-a-k-e dot e-h-c-c at gmail.com so the fellowship at eagle heights community church is worshiping the lord on sundays give us some information about the church where you're located at if folks want to come and visit yes so our address is 9408 macon road in cordova tennessee and our service time starts at 10.15 in the morning. We only have one service, 10.15 in the morning. I think you'll like it if you come. We have wonderful congregation, wonderful people, great children's ministry, youth ministry as well. God's doing some big things at Eagle Heights. Jake Clunch, God bless you, my brother. Thank you for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom, and thank you for what you're sharing with us about the relief efforts for the great people in Louisiana. Well, thank you so much for having me in, Byron. It really means a lot. I appreciate the opportunity. Friends, hope you'll go to the website to make that financial contribution as the Lord leads. And it can be as little as a few dollars or just whatever God puts on your heart. Thank you so much. That's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.